Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good evening. My name's Natalie. Hello. If, you, if this is your first time, hello properly. I'm not expecting you all to say hello back, but um, if you've been here for ages, hello too. Let's, um, let's uh, pray together as we open up this passage, this joyful passage, so that we understand it better by God's grace. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you speak to us through your Bible. We thank you literally that the word some days can just come alive in our hearts. We pray that you might do that this evening as we look at this passage and follow it verse by verse. Come and speak to each one of us, we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know how much you look at social media, but as I was scrolling through Facebook posts, Facebook videos uh, this week, I came across one that struck me. And it's probably one that you've all seen like 20 years ago, and you're like, oh, Natalie, how dull. Um, but there was a young child having his prosthetic leg fitted for the first ever time. And mm, yay high, kind of toddler age, just about able to walk, but obviously hadn't, because this was the first time he'd had a prosthetic leg put on. He was literally getting to put his feet on. And I just wonder what it was like for him because the look on his face was magic. I mean, literally, I'd had quite a normal day up till that point, as normal as a normal day ever is for a vicar-type person. Um, but he just looked, as he took that first unsupported step, his face just shone. And I'm sure that there had been tough days and hard days for his family as they reached that point. And I'm sure there were sore days and difficult days afterwards. But from the screen, that kid's face just gave me a joy that I hadn't expected in that day. And it reminded me of something that I see in our reading for today. Steps of faith taken by you and I a part of living in holy expectation. Steps of faith taken by you and I are part of us living a life full of holy expectation. And the harsh reality is that while God will and always does move towards us, we need to move towards him too. If you and I are not seeing God move, that's not because he's not around. Kind of, you get the theology bit that he's omnipresent, so he's everywhere. So there can't be anywhere that he's not there. So if we are not seeing him, it's because we're not moving towards him, because we're not observing what he's doing. Now, that's not because we're doing anything wrong. Life is hard. So don't have a massive downer on what I'm saying. It's just sometimes we literally need to put our figurative foot on and walk towards Jesus. And in this narrative of Luke, in just 11 tiny little verses, 
Packed into those verses, we see Jesus help Simon through a number of steps. Commission, confession, and change. If we could have the next slide, please. And as part of that change, we see Simon's response. Simon puts his feet on, makes a decision, leaves everything behind, and moves towards Jesus' call to follow. Now, because our sermon series uses this term calling, I had a bit of a quandary. I was like, call or commission? Call or commission? Now, I could have used the term call again, but there's something distinct about how Jesus invites Simon to follow in this passage that led me to use the word commission, particularly for our reflection tonight. In call narratives, and you can look up some others that I've put on there, so that's Mark chapter 1, Mark 2, or Luke 5, homework for later if you want to play. If you look at calling, there's particular ways Jesus does it. He shows up, so it starts with Jesus showing up, and then he sees someone in a way that other people don't. He sees somebody in a way that other people don't. And Jesus then calls them, and then they leave to follow him. Now, our passage has elements of that, but it has a bit more, and it's a bit more complex. So I was like, right, okay, I'm just going to have to use the word commission and explain it. So I'm going to have to put my big girl's big big boots on, and we're going to have to dig into it, because it's about commissioning. And I'm going to step us through the passage, literally verse by verse. Because whenever Jesus commissions someone, there's a bit of a shape to what he does. And if we understand that shape, then we can recognize when it's happening for us. Now, our narrative starts with an introduction. So we start with an introduction. Um, And for the furious note-takers amongst you, we're going to go through each of these, so don't try and write every word on this slide right now. You don't need to. Take a picture if you want. Don't write it down. Jesus' commissioning of Simon arrives in the context of learning from teaching. If you go back in chapter 4, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and then he goes on to drive out an impure spirit and heals people. So we see this introduction, the start to our passage, is in the midst of Jesus' followers witnessing the acts of God. They're seeing God move through Jesus, healing and driving out evil spirits. Now, in our introduction, Jesus arrives And he looks around, and he's like, what's going on here? And he sees a couple of boats that are empty. And those empty boats are empty because the fishermen have gone off to one side to wash their nets and prepare them for fishing for the next day. And then this confrontation happens. Who likes confrontation here in the room? Oh, good. Okay. Who can be quite challenging sometimes out of you lot? Yeah, okay. (laughs) I love this. I I get to see your facial reactions. So there's a husband and wife sitting in the congregation, and the wife puts her hand up, and the husband looks. (laughs) That's just beautiful. We each handle these kind of situations differently, don't we? 
this confrontation, Jesus steps into somebody else's boat. So what would be the equivalent? It would be like Jesus turning up in our church office and sitting in my desk. Uh, for the freshers, it would be like Jesus turning up in one of your lectures, sitting in the seat that you haven't yet learned is your seat, but you will do by the end of the year, or he turns up in your halls of residence and sits at the table. So literally, Jesus turns up and steps into one of the boats and says to the owner of the boat, or the one who's using it, Simon, can you please take the boat out a little way from the shore? And that's because Jesus wants to carry on teaching, but he wants a bit of space. So say these steps are the shore. So the boat's kind of maybe where I am, but it would be lower, presumably. Oh, I'm going to tie myself in knots here. And there are people on the beach still listening to Jesus' teaching. What would it be like if Jesus literally showed up in your workplace? How would you react if he grabbed your desk or took your laptop and started typing on it for you? You know, he's taking over the tools. If you're a mechanic, what would it look like if he started fixing the car? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he'd do it. Then he commissions Simon. That's the next step in the process. Jesus invites Simon to undertake a particular task. Now, at this point, Jesus suggests to the experienced fisherman, Simon, that they should start fishing again in deeper waters. Jesus is inviting Simon to move towards him within Simon's existing job. So Jesus is saying, you're the expert fisherman, but I think already after you've done a hard night's fishing and caught nothing, that you should go again and just fish in a different location. I mean... David was talking about this, our vicar was here this morning preaching, and he said he was describing what it looks like when he went fishing. Because when he went fishing, they had sonar in the boat. So they could tell where the fish were. They literally went to the place where there was lots of sonar news and fished. Jesus is saying, you don't have sonar, but I think you should go out a little bit deeper and fish again. What move is Jesus asking of you? What's the equivalent of him telling you to fish again? What does that look like? And next we hear the protests. No surprising, given that they'd not caught anything in a whole night of fishing, and understandably might have been actually quite tired, they question the wisdom of Jesus commissioning them to fish again. Now, I don't know about you, have you ever tried protesting when God invites you to do something? I have. Yes. Um, it didn't go so well. You can ask me about it later. I haven't got enough time to unpack it all this time round. But Simon literally looks at Jesus, and we see Simon's response in the passage. And I wonder whether Simon started with his reaction in a place of frustration or fear? Does his reaction come from frustration or fear? At having to continue to fish after having worked hard all night and come back with empty nests. 
Somehow in his own heart and mind, though, in his reaction, Simon reaches a point of acceptance. And he puts his extra strength fishing feet on and takes a step towards Jesus. And he says, because you say so, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Simon acknowledges the reality, the limits and the scarcity, the fact that there might not be more fish to catch. But also, he displays a willingness to listen to Jesus and to try again. And what does it look like when he tries with only his human resources to fish? Well, we know that because he comes back earlier with empty nets. And then when he fishes in obedience to God's word, we get to witness the reality of what God can do through the willingness that Simon offers. I wonder what would have happened if Simon said, no, thank you. I'm too tired. Sorry, can you come back tomorrow when I've got a bit more energy? You see, sometimes we need to move towards Jesus to see the abundance, to see the willingness of how God can move through us and with us. We've got a little bit of a problem in our society at the moment. Um, there are quite a lot of people who are just a little bit weary. They've gone through COVID and they're still a little bit weary. Um, and we see this in all sorts of charities. We see it here at church. There's a little bit of volunteering fatigue. So everybody understand what that means? I'm a bit too tired. Haven't quite got the energy for it. And it, you know, this is a pattern that Jesus knew. How do I know that? Jesus says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. That's in Luke 10, verse 2, or Matthew 9, verse 37. Jesus knew about volunteer fatigue. Did you ever know that? That's mad. Simon, though, is one of the willing. Simon now puts down the nets in reaction to the commissioning of his work. And I'm guessing then his reaction changes. He has a different reaction. He sees the abundance and the amazing work of God. Instead of empty nests, nets being cleaned at the side of the beach, now a second boat needs to be called in to help with the catch, a catch that nearly overwhelms both of these two boats. One that will feed more than just the fishermen and their families. Now there's provision sufficient to meet the needs of a whole community. If the narrative had stopped there, literally if I'd asked Marcella, okay, we're done at that point, stop reading here. The focus of our reading would be about abundance, about the amazing provision of God, these nets that are full to overflowing. And that doesn't mean that that's not true. It's still incredible and amazing. But there's more to our story than that because God is not done yet. Simon is overwhelmed by the hand of God at work and his fresh reaction is confession. 
when he sees the abundance and overflowing catch of fish, he says this, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. It's quite a beautiful reaction, isn't it? It's a beautiful reaction that he sees that God's provision is amazing and he thinks, I'm not up to the job yet. And our society's got a bit of a a struggle with saying sorry and apologies. And I thought at the point that we're talking about confession, it'd be good to look at what that means. I get really, really a bit weary of numerous lovely people standing up and making their confessions, their apologies. I don't know if you've come across this in the news, but sometimes people make an apology. It might be a politician who's got it wrong. It might be a sports figure who's gone a bit awry. Sometimes it's a preacher or a vicar or a clergy person. Sometimes it's a business person. And one helpful author offers a great distinction. An apology, an apology is an expression of regret. An apology is an expression of regret where somebody says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's not what Simon does here. He confesses. It's an admission of fault. And he says this, He says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. A confession is an admission of fault where you say, I'm sorry I did wrong. But apologies address an audience. So I could apologize to you and say, I'm sorry for whatever. But a confession needs something different. It needs more than apology because a confession means change. A confession means change because Confession doesn't come without a change in behavior. It starts with the I'm sorry, but then it means I will react differently next time those same circumstances arise. And that's what Simon does. But before I jump ahead, one more step, reassurance. Jesus gives reassurance to those he commissions just as well, because otherwise we'd all be really worried at this point. The case of this text, the reassurance, is not just about the abundance of fish, the full boats, the boats that are nearly tipping over because they've got so much in them. It's that you and I, along with Simon, will see Jesus deliver when we follow his commissioning instructions. Jesus invites Simon and you and I not to fear as we take up his commission. Jesus is literally pouring his confidence into Simon. And as part of this reassurance, Simon is invited into a recommission, a fresh commission from Jesus, not just to fish for food for the community, but to fish for the hearts of the people that he will come across. The message translation puts it this way. Jesus said to Simon, there's nothing to fear. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, there's nothing to fear? So if Jesus is commissioning you, literally there's nothing to fear. From now on, you will be fishing for men and women. 
Now, that might not be your call to fish for men and women, but you will be commissioned for something. So the high point of this narrative is not about the abundance, but about the commission and the calling and the willingness of people to follow this new role. The new role that these disciples take up from the edge of the lake is that they will gather people with the good news about Jesus and they will follow him whilst leading and serving others. And here we see the conclusion, the change in behavior, the steps of change in the lives of Simon, James and John, the move in response to Jesus's commission. This is what it says. They pulled up their boats on shore, left everything and followed him. So your commission tonight might be to allow Jesus to literally see him turn up in your workplace. Your commission might be like Simon, James, and John, to be fishers of men, to go out and find people and help them find faith. Whatever your commission is, there'll be a pattern in it somewhere. It'll look something like commission, confession, and change. And we see steps of faith taken by Simon as he lives this life of holy expectation. And woven through it is that commission, confession, and change. And in the midst of it is Jesus' reassurance of help to those who are ready to put on their feet and follow Jesus and to take steps in the direction of his call. So what does that look like for you and I today? Well, it depends where you are, really. I don't think any of you are fishermen. Let's just have a quick look round. Any of you fishermen? Oh, we've got one, amazing. With the sonar, he might ask these guys to put down fish for fish in, in deeper waters. But for the rest of us, what does it look like? Where are the places that we are between today and next Sunday. What is it that we're invited to do? Last week, we were reminded to listen for God's voice, regardless of whether it arrives in wind, earthquake, fire, or even a whisper. But that sitting listening, important though it is, also needs a move forward. If God wanted us just to sit and listen and do nothing. I doubt the Bible would call, would have passages about running the race, about calling, about commissioning or following. God has already made steps towards you through his son. What are the steps that you are taking towards him? Where is it that you are invited to put down into deeper water in faith that you will see God's abundance. Don't stop there. Be willing to be witness to the joy of God at work in the presence of the world. So next week, we're going to be doing something that will literally help you think about this. We have a ministry fair. The freshers will tell you what a freshers fair looks like. I'm not sure ours will be quite the same, but it'll be a ministry fair. And in the middle of the service... We're all going to troop off down to the center, and you can find out about all the things that happen normally in the life of Greyfriars and New Hope. And you can do
discern with God what are the things that you want to join in with. You can discover where God is calling you to move. So come next week. Don't do nothing next Sunday. I invite you not to sit at home and watch the TV instead of coming to church. Come and find out the call, the excitement, the how you can get involved. And if your reaction is, I'm not sure really, Natalie, exactly what God's commissioning me or calling me for, don't worry. Pray, listen this week. Ask questions next week. When God commissions you, I'm pretty confident that you and God will have a fun time. Don't do what I did. When I was 18, I thought I was commissioned to be a vicar. Um, the slight problem is, I am that old, that when I was first thinking about being a vicar, the Church of England hadn't quite got its head around having women vicars. So I went away and did another job, and then at age 45, God tapped on my shoulder and said, you know that thing that I had for you, Natalie? I think now's the time. So I had to go back to college, age 45, having train crashed two A-levels and done no further study since. It was quite tough, but it was fun. And it's more fun even still now. When God commissions us, he reassures us. He finds the right timing for us, and he helps us move towards his call, one small step at a time. Steps of faith taken by you and I a part of living a life of holy expectation that God will show up in our midst and will get to witness and join in with what he's doing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that whatever way you're moving in our hearts, that we would see your hand at work that we would know it when you tap us on the shoulder and invite us to join in with the beautiful things that you're doing. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice clearly. And Lord, help us to have the courage with you reassuring to join in. Come and equip us, Lord, we pray. Amen.